I knew at that time that this was my path. This is what I want to do was like create events and platforms for our people to tell their story in their way. I knew that in my heart that the work I was doing is going to be guided by something much larger than just, it's not just a job or a career. It was like, this is what you're doing. This is your path. This, this is what needs to happen. It was the start of the ripple effect of it's time. It's time for us to create this space. It's time for us to create this space that's like safe for us to share to the world who we are as Indigenous people. Hey everyone, welcome to Venture Out, a podcast series from Entrepreneurth that shares the brave stories of Northerners who are inspiring innovation and community well being through business. I'm your host, Zena Cowan. We are fires across the tundra. You know that feeling when you meet someone and almost immediately you know, this is a very cool person who I want to spend more time with and learn from? Katie Johnson, who I'm visiting with in today's episode, is definitely one of those people for me. And the more I get to know her, the more I witness how her values and integrity show up in everything she does. Katie is an entrepreneur, but that wouldn't be the first word she would use to describe herself. Really, Katie is a dreamer and a bridge builder, and her passion is creating spaces for people to come together through Indigenous art and storytelling. She's in the business of creating unforgettable experiences for people in the Yukon, where she's from, and throughout her career, she's really honored and elevated the art of gathering. If you've ever attended any of Katie's events, including the annual Attica Cultural Festival that she co-founded with Charlene Alexander, you know what I'm talking about. And Katie, who is from Kluwani First Nation, definitely has the community cred and strong relationships all across the North. And in our conversation, you'll hear Katie talk about the sense of responsibility she feels to her elders and to the next generation. And this is what guides her work. She operates from a place of service and feels that all the events and initiatives she leads are part of something much bigger than her. So there's that part of Katie and she's always checking in on people and getting out on the land with her 10-year-old Bella. And then she's also really glamorous and always wears incredible Indigenous jewelry. And she loves going for fancy dinners with her girlfriends. So all together, she just has this really full life. And I think it's that balance of deep work and fun that I love most about Katie. I think you'll pick up on this in the episode. And you'll also hear from two women who work with Katie and are witness to her brilliance. Charlene Alexander, Executive Director of Yukon First Nations Culture and Tourism, and artist Vashti Etzel, owner of GoldenEye Designs. And at the very end, Katie's daughter, Bella, makes a little cameo. So let's jump in. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the show. 
can you start by introducing yourself and sharing where you're from? Yeah, so my name is Katie Johnson. Um, I am an actual, I'm a member of the Kalani First Nation. Uh, so it's a small community just outside of Whitehorse. My traditional name is Lassama. And so I'm from the sort of Southern Toshone people and nation and from the Wolf Clan. And so born and raised in beautiful Yukon territory. And yeah, thank you for having me today. Well, I've looked up to you for a while, and I'm so glad that this episode is dedicated to your story because you have an amazing vision and a really unique and inspiring way of operating as a business owner and woman and mom. But because your work is built on leading from behind and putting others in the spotlight, I feel like your journey isn't necessarily front and center and... I think it's one that more people would love to hear about. So today you are front and center, and I want to hear all about your business. I started a business uh, back in 2011. It's called Bella Elite Events and Consulting. So it's based out of Whitehorse. And so I've been, it's an event uh, production slash consulting company. And so I've been working, uh, primarily my clientele is Yukon First Nation organizations, nonprofits. So I've been working on mainly like festivals, putting together conferences, forums, um, community engagement initiatives. And most recently, I've been working with Yukon First Nation Culture and Tourism as the director of programs and partnerships. And we're continuing the work through through them, as well as um, continuing the work with Attica, which I co-founded the festival with Charlene almost 10 years ago. Very cool. And honestly, Katie, your events are world class. And I know that they have a ripple effect all across the North. So we're going to get into your business in just a little bit. But before we do, I would love to hear about your childhood and your upbringing Because I know that where you come from really informs who you are today and how you operate as a businesswoman. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, humble beginnings for sure. I have a really strong family. You know, I have really strong connections and being back and forth. I, I actually finished high school in Haynes Junction. And at the time, my dad was chief of Kiwani First Nations. So it was a lot of sort of back and forth from, from the two communities. Um, I have an older sister and two brothers. And so very close-knit family. And then, you know, tons of cousins and aunts and uncles and it's awesome because, you know, we're from such a small nation. Kiwani First Nation has a membership of just under 300. And we have such strong women and men, but a lot of strong women that are from the nation. And so it's just, it gives me such pride knowing that we've all had um, such a strong foundation to make changes to in our communities, but also to help other communities across the Yukon and Canada. And tell me more about Kluwani First Nation. How would you describe it to, say, a tourist who was coming to the Yukon and was wanting to know about it? Our nation is small, but very strong and resilient. And our community is just, we have this incredible lake called Kluwani Lake, and we're surrounded by mountains our traditional territories in Kalani National Park. And so when I drive home, which is often, I try to go home every other weekend, it's such a recharge for me because you're like going down the Alaska Highway heading home. And as soon as you see the lake, your heart, my heart just like explodes because it's like, I'm home. It just gives uh, so much like strength, right? When you go home and you're able to just sort of connect on the land and and be with your family and be with your community. And again, it's a very resilient community and we still have elders and uh, we have small families that live there. So 
it's just nice to come home and and of course with with COVID in the last year it's been very different um because we haven't been able to gather and see one another but it's still nice just to just to connect and and help out as much as I can when I go home. Beautiful. I always love seeing the pictures that you post when you and your daughter Bella go back to your community. And that drive that you take from Whitehorse to Burwash, which is on the western shore of Kluwani Lake, for folks who don't know, is absolutely gorgeous. And then you get to spend the weekend surrounded by family, and Bella is totally immersed in her southern Toshone culture. And I know, Katie, that you've got some pretty amazing parents who played and continue to play a really big part in the woman that you are today. Can you tell me about them a little bit? Well, I mean, of course, like my mom, she was a school teacher at the Haynes Junction uh, St. Elias School. So she was, you know, a leader in her own right as well in terms of working and then raising us kids. But it was like for my dad, it was his, it was a responsibility. So we we were raised with my dad always going to meetings and he was a huge part, um, not only for the Kalwani First Nation government land claims agreements, but he was also very active in the Together Today for Children Tomorrow. And so I think a lot of kids in my generation, it was just sort of, we knew that our parents, it was their responsibility and the hard work and the the drive and their commitment to make a better future for our, for, for us, for our kids. And so when I look back to all the leaders that took part in those agreements and where we're at right now, it's just incredible. So it's like this legacy piece that is so important to me and very important on how I guide my work. My dad was really well respected in all the communities and he he was really well known, uh, Joe Johnson, and he still continues to open doors for me. Like I can go into a, to Pelly or Mayo or go to a small community and they'll ask me, you know, who's your parents? And I say, you know, Joe Johnson and like the golden gate opens because of the respect that they had for my father. And so when I think of that, I think, well, I want to, I want to be that for my daughter, Bella, where, you know, my work is, is guided in a good way. And people know me for the work that I do and I and I carry myself respectfully and, and in my values and so that she has that same opportunity when she's like my age. So we were raised with sort of Southern Toshone values and, and who we are. And so I really guide my work and, and guide like how I am as a mother based on those values. And bringing Bella back to Burwash has been a really important piece because I had the opportunity to be raised with our elders, to be, to witness, to be a part of of like potlatches and um, headstones and and gatherings and being on the land and trapping gophers and I want to make sure that Bella has the same experiences because things you know obviously have changed in the last like you know 20 years in terms of of making that connection again. I find it very moving to hear you describe your parents and the other adults that you and your generation grew up around and how much they have guided you on your path and how you just had this knowing that they had this deep sense of responsibility that you are now taking on as you dedicate your life to legacy and and being of service through arts promotion. So I'm really curious to hear about your work and your business and how it all started for you, Katie. Can you take me back to the very beginning? Yes, 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I had no idea what I wanted to do after high school and, you know, being raised in a small community and I, all I knew is I wanted to explore and like, just move out and move out of the territory. And so I went to school um, in Vancouver and Victoria and just sort of explored like, you know, what do I want to do? So I took different courses and I always had the desire to like help people and to, and I know that I had a really strong, obviously was raised with really strong values in terms of um, being, you know, a Southern Dishoni woman and, and wanting to make a shift and change of perception, I guess, of like who we are, we are as Indigenous people. And I really was really proud of who I was. So I was always constantly like sharing my story and like connecting with people from all different cultures. And so I, I explored the tourism management program at Capilano University. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going to start my own tourism business. Like, I feel like this is what I want to do and create um, tours and go back to the Yukon. That's what I, you know, for sure, that's my path. And so finished that program and I came home and I started working for like Yukon government within their tourism department and realized it wasn't an area that I wanted to go in at that time. And then I had this opportunity and I'm a young, you know, early twenties, had the opportunity to do an acting position as the executive director for Yukon First Nation Culture and Tourism where I'm at now. So I, it was great because people just said they believed in me and said, you know, it's only a, a, a short term, but it just kind of opened my eyes that there was just so much more work that needed to be done. And this opportunity came up for uh, t- 2007 Canada Winter Games. So it was a big deal here in Whitehorse. They were going to host these games. You know, 11,000 people or more will be coming to the Yukon. And everyone was like moving towards planning these games. And there was this huge gap in Indigenous content. And so I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew that we, we had to have something during this, this, these games and to like show Canada who Yukon First Nation people were and our story. And so I was able to get funding through the Yukon government to host a, like a cultural expo and we called it the Gathering, Gathering of Nations. And it was a collaboration and partnership with all of the Yukon First Nation communities and an opportunity to, to sell crafts and art and tell the stories of, of our elders and to have performances. And we had this big white tent just set up by sort of the Yukon River and it was like the biggest event that happened like I it was my first one and I was I really didn't know what I was doing but I I really believed in the vision that we needed to have our own our own identity our own story and all everyone came together and it was such an incredible like experience for me experience for like our communities and our, our and also for Yukoners and then of course the visitors that came. So that really what started in like I knew at that time that this was my path. This is what I want to do was like create events and platforms for our people to tell their story in their way. And then the opportunity of the 2010 Winter Olympics. And so that was another huge undertaking. Oh my gosh, Katie, that's like the definition of a sliding door moment. I want to go back in that white tent with you. What were you experiencing? What was all around you? 
Well, I get like even goosebumps talking about it because there's still people that come up and they're like, they just, they were in awe, you know, you go into the tent and you can, it, it was just the energy and the spirit of, you know, every community represented themselves in like in different ways. So, you know, when I go think of my own community, like when we do our, you know, our potlatches or our traditional ways, it's not public, right? For this event, it was, it was, it was for the public. It was to welcome the world. It was to welcome visitors from across Canada. It was to welcome Yukoners to say, this is who we are. This is our story. And it was just so rich. Like we had tables full of like moccasins and jewelry and it was just like abundance of like incredible um, arts and crafts and then we were able to like have special performances and elders were there and yeah it was just a really it was almost like it was the start of it was like the ripple effect of like it's time it's time for us to create this space it's time for us to create this space that's like safe for us to share to the world who we are as Indigenous people. That is pretty incredible. But can we just take a moment to acknowledge how young you were? Like, who is ready to do that kind of major community impact work in their early 20s? I was 22. So I was very young. <laughs> really, it was like, I have so many mentors, like a lot of people in my life that have really like shaped who I am and really helped me guide uh, guide me and the different these different opportunities and so I'm forever thankful for that and and so yeah it was definitely I knew it was I knew that in my heart that the work I was doing is going to be guided by something much larger than just it's not just like a job or a career it was like this is what you're doing like this is your path this this is what needs to happen and of course, it takes a lot of like courage to like be knocking on like funders doors or like connecting with with various leaders to say like this needs to happen. But I knew that our voice had to be at the table. And so it was really um, and that's why I'm so forever like thankful that my path crossed with Charlene Alexander who's currently the executive director of YFNCT. But I've been working with Charlene for 11 years. And it was at Canada Winter Games where we first met. And we joined forces with her, you know, 30 plus experience working in Northern communities in art and culture. And she was one of my biggest mentors. And she's she really taught me a lot about um, sort of event management. And so, I was able to walk um, and create new opportunities for Yukon First Nations and art and culture, especially with, with the Olympics. And then we co-founded Adaka in 2011. Yeah, the name, it took a while for the name to come, but as soon as we got back from Vancouver, from the Olympics, um, we knew, uh, well, two things. Number one, that there needed to be an organization focused on the art sector, on the development of the art sector, and that, that we needed to have a festival to help maintain the momentum that had started at the Olympics. When you bring people together and you match audience and artists and, and 
it does the the inspiration and the the energy and it just really helps to support the growth of a sector so and it was like it was like a spark was created and we knew that we needed to maintain that energy to carry on with the work that we are doing and because of my experience in founding and um, establishing the Great Northern Arts Festival in Anuvik, I knew the impact that a festival has on communities and on individuals. Um, and just on the sector, it's really, it's more than an event and it's more than a celebration. And we know that that arts and culture is really, um, and help, it saves lives. It, it helps people to reconnect to their culture. And yeah, it's life-changing. I love Attica so much and I look forward to it every year and I will never forget the first time that I went with my dad and I think it was just a sort of transformative experience for both of us. And it's like, it's not just incredible for the public, but I think it's just as incredible, if not more so, for the artists who get to participate and connect with each other and build these relationships and, and engage in professional development. And all of that magic that happens at Attica is attributed to your and Charlene's vision. So for listeners who don't know about the festival, can you describe it? So Attica is a Southern Deshone word. It's coming into the light. And it's really about shining the light on our people. And it's been that name is because I think about like our ancestors and all the leaders leading up to this work. Like it just, it didn't just happen. Like we had a lot of like a lot of our elders really advocating for our communities, advocating for heritage, art, culture. So it was almost like, it was almost like the port, the torch was like handed to us to continue the work for the next generation or the next 10 years. Attica is like a seven day indigenous festival. So if you can think we have close, sometimes we have close to 200 artists that come from all over the communities and it's been growing every single year. And so we've been, you know, we have guest artists from across Canada. We've had guest artists from like New Zealand. So it's becoming, you know, very welcoming to for Indigenous artists all over the world. Esi Vashti Etzel Guya Shuta dene ya kaska dene lasta, tuchlitlini dene lasta, golden eye designs diga nanitsik. Well, when I first attended the Attica Cultural Festival in 2017, I was just starting out as an artist that's um it's where I began sharing myself as an artist and the the festival it helped create my artist platform it's it's where I manifest my success towards my artist journey and I gained confidence and clarity in my work and it's where I realized that was a part of the bigger picture, a part of a community of cultural preservers. What stands out about Katie is, is her passion and her drive towards Indigenous excellence. She is very proactive in the communities and she is she has like a zest for life and you can tell that she comes from a strong bloodline of matriarchs and she's 
she has strong influencers in her family. Yeah, she's she's like the definition of indigenous boss babe. <laughs> I've had some like amazing breakthroughs at the festival where I've had like spiritual moments that just really helped guide my my journey and what I'm doing and just clarified what it is that I'm doing and yeah before I was I was sewing for my my children just learning and then it became the picture just became more more vivid that what I'm doing is more more important They keep trying to take my flowers and replace them with guns. No one's going to take my heart. That's a battle I've already won. You can run. You can hide. What good will that do us? At least we know we tried. At the end of the night, got nowhere to go. Stuck on this ball. We're out of control. Man, I love that song. It's called We're Still Here, and it's by Diet and the Love Soldiers. And Diet is not just one of your favorite northern performers, Katie. I also just learned that she's your cousin. Um, I'm curious, through all of the work that you do, do you ever pause and consciously think of yourself as an entrepreneur? <laughs> Big pause. Um... I I feel like maybe a social and like entrepreneur because my work has always been guided about like helping communities or helping people or like a greater vision of of like wellness through art and through culture. And so 
I don't, I don't, I honestly don't think of myself as like a, you know, a business entrepreneur. I feel like it's like, it's a path that has been given to me. And so I'm very passionate, you know, I'm very creative. I like to try new things. I love to solve problems. It's almost like my role in a lot of this work is like, is connection, right? Connecting with people. But you know, it's, you know, you, you need as a business, you need to know about um, fundraising and proposal writing and marketing and communications. So I feel through this work that I've been doing in the last 14 years, I've been able to really like hone in on a lot of those skills. And if I don't know how to do something, I, I know someone who does. So it's like, you don't have to do it all. You can build a team that will help you support to like meet your vision or to like make your business a success. Yes, very true. And when you're committed to the deeper purpose of what you're doing, I think it really carries you through the inevitable challenges that come with doing anything innovative and anything that hasn't been done before. I love that you keep repeating that all of this is bigger than you. When I think of the work that we do, it's really about like the next generation. And it's totally instilled in me is like, I want to ensure that in like 10 years when Bella's, you know, 20 in 10 years, that she ha- she's able to go to these incredible, like, you know, she can go to Adakar, she can go to Haynes Junction hosts their amazing dance festival, Hakusti, like the te- the Teslin Clinket Council hosts Clinket gathering every two years, like Moosehide, like all these incredible events, these gatherings of bringing people together. It's important that like I'm just a little sliver of of this equation. Like we all have to work together to ensure that this work continues for the next generation. Mm. So when you're deep into production and you're dealing with a ton of moving parts and things maybe not going how you wanted them to go, how do you remind yourself of the higher purpose? You know, I I think of Attica, like those are like 17 hour days and you're on your feet and, but it's not just one person, it's the community, it's the artists that show up, it's the, the staff and the volunteers and like, it's really... that's where the magic happens and so I always think like be authentic be honest and true to who you are and like have fun like have fun be innovative try new things be open-minded because the work is always changing and our and our art is always changing our culture is is it evolves right so you have to be flexible and be able to just sort of like go with the flow that's how I sort of carry myself through this work. Yes. And while going with the flow, you're also probably working through a million different ideas brewing in your head that you're thinking, how can I execute this? Because I know you, Katie, and you're a dreamer. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and then I have to remind myself too, it's like slow and steady wins the race. Like there's not a marathon you got to just be really thoughtful and mindful and it's all about intentions, right? Like when I think of a project that I'm working on, like what's, what's the end result and like things will always change based on like the needs of that particular initiative or project. Uh, New people join in, you bring in different like resources and expertise. So even you can't just be stuck on one thing. It's like, you have to really like adjust plans as you're, you're planning and really sort of stay connected and take the time to like reset or revise or renew um, when it comes to these kind of initiatives, because you know, it's not like you're selling a product, you're creating experiences, you're changing lives. Something that's like, you can't just grab, it's something that you feel. And so when I go into a project, I'm like, how is, how are people going to feel like once, if they're there, what are they going to experience? What are they going to take out of it? So I'm very like mindful of that. 
And again, I'm really guided. Like I, I have a lot of elders that I can reach out to and they really like provide some really good insight and support um, when I'm doing these types of uh, events or projects or initiatives. And creating these world-class experiences for people that have so much cultural depth and weight is a true art that takes years of refining and working through. You've built this business for the last 14 years, and I'm sure that the growth you have experienced has not been linear. And you've gotten a lot of support along the way, but you've also experienced what it means to have something not work out. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's actually just in the last uh, probably, I mean, I've been doing this for 14 years. So I feel like you there's so many things that you like you learn, and then or you make mistakes or, you know, and you just get better, right? And you grow through um, like you explore new areas. And if you don't succeed, you'll always grow. And you'll always come up stronger. Like that's always been like my experience. And embracing the unknown and really focusing on like doing your best because like I think we are when it comes to our careers or our businesses we're really hard on ourselves and it's like don't be hard on yourself like you did if you do your best you did your best you have to find that support circle when you're doing these types of work and really like take care of yourself take care of your wellness go on the land, talk to your elders, like really connect with yourself spiritually as well so that you can like fill up your cup so you can get on to the next initiative that takes, it takes a lot, but you, you just need to refuel yourself and take care of yourself um, to continue the work. Hearing you just now, I'm thinking about all the up and coming Indigenous entrepreneurs from the Yukon that we get to meet through our work at Entrepreneurth and they're talking about wanting to go into tourism and in arts and, and food and clean energy. And I'm thinking, Katie, you are right in the middle of all of that and they would learn so much from you. I'm sure they are learning so much from you. I think it's just nice to like witness it. And I also feel like I'm still in it and I want to support or be a mentor or like, if I have, you know, even just being with you today, like I do have a story and I do want to, to like just putting it out there. Like if anyone wants to go into the arts or culture, or want to, to explore more, like I want to mentor our young people to continue the work. That's so important that we, we create those opportunities for this work to continue. I really love how forward thinking and solution focused you are. And I know that it's been really difficult for you and your team to manage the disappointments of canceled events due to COVID and thinking that, oh yeah, we're going to be able to make this event happen. And then you know, regulations change and, and there's an outbreak and then plans have to plans have to be cancelled. But you're looking ahead and it sounds like you've got a pretty awesome game plan for the next year. So what is on the horizon for your arts work and what is on the horizon for you, Katie, as a person? Like I'm thinking, okay, we need to create some another platform or space for our for our artists to grow to create new work I want to ensure that it's like it's going to be like a multi-year project that will support indigenous performing artists in like dance and theater and uh, singing songwriting and so the idea is to create these training mentorship opportunities for these artists where we would actually produce a show and that will be the areas where they're able to create and have these like, it's like, a, I kind of see like a river, you know, like, and what's exciting is the Arctic Art Summit. It's an international event um, and they're, they're going to be hosted here in Whitehorse in 2022. 
So we're going to be leveraging that event to showcase this incredible new show that will be led by Yukon Indigenous artists to tell the new story, the new story of who we are as Indigenous people. What are some of the things that we're dealing with now? Because it has changed so much in the last 10 years. And so that's really in a very exciting project that I'm super committed and focused on. And like, I really want to see that through working with multiple partners, multiple funders to, to pull that together. So my plan is definitely to, to see that out. But what's interesting and something that I've been really exploring is developing programming for a wellness retreat. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I just really feel like, especially through the last couple of years, like people are really seeking wellness, seeking sort of doing their own healing in terms of personal development and discovery. And there's not really any place to do that here. And what I also find that doing this work on the land is like, it's so like, it's like, together, right? And so my long term vision is to potentially like start a, you know, a, a wellness retreat program where people can just come and do their work but well I would have like workshops for different areas yoga retreats and it would be within my traditional territory of in Kalwani so it's like they're on the land you know so I love programming and I love creating experiences for people and it's even though it's you know it's helping people to find their light so that they can go back to their communities and do positive changes within their family or their community or the work that they're doing. So I'm kind of exploring that right now in terms of like what that would look like in the next like three to five years, because it would be so amazing to be like home to do this kind of work because it's a whole different direction, but I'm just feeling it. Like I'm feeling like this could be a really cool, like, new initiative and like path to follow. And so I, I'm just sort of tapping into that and seeing where it's where it will take me. Katie, that's really exciting for so many reasons. And yeah, I'm totally feeling it too. You've got the skills and the relationships and, and you're clearly set on your intention. And what you've reminded me of today is is that intention being the key to everything. And I think you're totally right. It is more clear than ever that Indigenous-led wellness and healing support is, is what is needed right now in communities. So I really appreciate you kind of sharing this vision that you have with us today as it's kind of forming in your mind and I think it's very brave and I think you can totally do it it's exciting yeah for sure and we're here to like learn and to grow and to share and to give and so I feel like this these gifts have been given to me so how can I use those gifts to help other people right so again going back to you know that saying it's together today for our children tomorrow, right? And we have to work together for us to like create those opportunities moving forward for for our kids to to flourish and and to grow and to continue the work and in a good way. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about the future and where it's gonna, gonna, what's gonna happen in the next like 10 years. And you know, thinking about leaving your legacy, what do you want to leave? And so Indigenous entrepreneurship is legacy to me. Bella, what's something that you really love about your mom? That she's really positive. And she works really hard to like get stuff done. Oh, oh, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. 
Hi, Towie. He's like a little barker. He just barks at like everything. Is he Bella's dog? He's both of yours. <laughs> Bella, do you, take, do you take Charlie for do you take Charlie for walks? Yeah. Yeah, she does. She does. She does. She, my mom always said, but like we have you to never take Charlie for walks. Um, I take him to Who takes him on walks <laughs> when you're in meetings. <laughs> Katie and Bella are pretty cute, and they really are a package deal. Bella goes with her mom pretty much everywhere and gets to see her in action, doing that important legacy work for the next generation. Like Katie mentioned, she and the team at Yukon First Nations Culture and Tourism have lots in the works. They've just launched their performing arts program and will be hosting the next Araka in summer 2022 in Whitehorse, Yukon, right after the Arctic Arts Summit. Katie and her team are also hosting their annual Bead, Hide and Fur Symposium this fall, so stay up to date by following YFNCT and Ataka on social media. Venture Out's production team includes myself and Travis Mercredi. Our theme song is called Fires Across the Tundra, and it's by the one and only Denonday's Leela Gilday. Today's episode featured We're Still Here by Diet and the Love Soldiers. Our next episode features the amazing Rosalind Mercredi. Yes, she's Travis's mom, who owns Down to Earth Gallery and North Soul Glassworks. Roz has opened so many doors for artists all across the North, and her gallery is truly an institution located in Old Town Yellowknife that used to be her home, actually, and is now a creative hub from which many brilliant exhibits and festivals and ideas have been born. So stay tuned. Roz is great. Awesome sense of humor. Took some twisting of her arm to get her to agree to do an interview. And she's just got uh, an eclectic and wonderful story. You can find Venture Out on all your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. So please reach out on Entrepreneurs Instagram and Facebook. See you next time. We are fires across the tundra.